My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it's always a, a joy to come back here to Redemption Lutheran, the uh, place where I grew up, my home church, and especially to be able to address you with God's precious saving word this evening. I'd like to turn your attention to some verses in Paul's letter to the Romans. In chapter 4, we'll read verse, begin in verse 23 through chapter 5, verse 5. Now, it was not written for his sake alone, that's talking about Abraham's, that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Here ends our reading. You may be seated. Dear fellow redeemed, justification. That is one of the most important words in the Bible and most blessed, wonderful words. But it's also one of those words that a lot of Christians have a hard time remembering. Now, just what does that mean again? They probably know it has to do with our salvation, our forgiveness. But sometimes it's difficult to remember the meaning of some of these biblical words. The Apostle Paul has been explaining justification by faith alone, through, or by grace alone, through faith alone, in chapters 3 and 4 of Romans. And now at the end of chapter 4, the, the beginning of our text, he explains that all of this justification that he's been talking about, it all comes to us because Jesus died and rose again for us. And so, as Paul goes on now in chapter 5 to describe the glorious results of our justification, it's all the result of Jesus' resurrection. And so that makes it a very fitting meditation during our joyous Easter season. Christ's resurrection brings peace with God. You know, since that word is so important, it's wonderful that the Bible 
uses different ways to explain it to us. Paul gives us a very systematic definition and description of it, but Jesus took a very different approach. Jesus pictured our justification for us and, and the beautiful results of that justification, sometimes without even using the word, just like he did in our gospel lesson this evening. He told a story, a story about a young man who couldn't wait to leave home. He just didn't want to live under his father's rules anymore. And so after pleading and pleading, his father gave him his portion of the inheritance early. He left home and boy, he lived it up, having a great time for a while until it was all gone and he found himself destitute, miserable, feeding pigs, wishing he could eat the slop that he gave to the pigs. We might say he hit bottom. And that's when he was ready to humble himself and return to his father seeking his mercy. He knew he didn't deserve to be a son anymore, but he hoped perhaps his father would allow him to come back as a servant. He knew that even the servants had it better off than, than he did. So he decided to return. Can you imagine for a moment some of the thoughts that may have been going through his mind as he was journeying back to his home, to his father. Will my father be angry with me? Will he even take me back as a servant? Or will he kick me out and not want to see me again? Well, to his great surprise and overwhelming joy and relief, his father saw him a long way off and he ran out to meet him and threw his arms around him and kissed him. And before he even had a chance to say anything about becoming a servant of his father, his father was giving him new clothes, putting a ring on his finger, telling his servants to go and kill the fatted calf so they could have a great celebration that his son had returned. That's justification. That's what it's all about. Our Heavenly Father joyfully receiving us back into His family in spite of the way we shamefully despised Him and His commandments. That's so much easier to understand and to truly appreciate. And I, I think that story of this young man that I'm sure we can all readily relate to also helps us to better understand what Paul says here in our text about the results of our justification. Listen again to what Paul says in, in the first verse of chapter 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, or having been received back by our Father, 
we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, peace with God. Just think about that son again for a moment. The father received him back with, with joy and with love. There, there was not a single word about what the son had done. There was no mention of, well, why did you leave me? How could you do such a thing? You mean you wasted all that money I gave you? Well, I hope you learned your lesson. No, not a word of that. Just perfect acceptance and love. No rebuke, no shaming. That's justification. That's what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. And that kind of perfect justification gives us true peace. It, it really changes our entire life. The prodigal son went from having nothing to having everything and to enjoying life again. He went from despising his father to wanting to come back to his father but fearing rejection by his father to being fully accepted by his father. And that's what we receive from God by faith in Jesus Christ. The forgiveness of our sins and full acceptance with God. And, and together with that comes the removal of fear to enjoying all the blessings that God has to give as, as fully accepted children. We have peace with God. Aren't those wonderful words? Peace with God. This peace that, that Paul is describing here and talking about is, is so much more than ceasing from war and struggle with other human enemies. But as Isaiah puts it, it's our warfare with God that is ended. And therefore, any fear or dread of God's punishment is over and gone. This concept of peace really was based on the Old Testament uh, Hebrew word shalom, which describes a, a completely whole and well body and soul, the, the true inner peace of knowing that Everything is right. Everything is as it should be. And this prodigal son, now he knew beyond any doubt how much his father loved him and that he would certainly be well cared for. That's a concept that's found throughout the Bible, isn't it? King David talked about it in the 23rd Psalm. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I, I'll never lack any good thing that I need for my life or my salvation. 
have peace with God. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, talks about this peace. He calls it the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. It, it goes beyond anything that we can comprehend. In fact, it's a peace that seems impossible. It's a peace that gives us that perfect contentment to say, I shall not want. I can lie down in green pastures and beside the still waters even when there's turmoil all around me in my life. Who could imagine such a thing? But it's the peace of knowing that we are safe in our Father's hands. The rest of our text goes on to describe even more this, this full acceptance and the peace that it gives us. Paul says, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You know, there's, there's really three things I'd like to call your attention to in, the, in those couple verses. First of all, through Jesus, we have access into God's grace. God does not treat us the way King David treated his son Absalom after Absalom had killed his stepbrother for molesting his sister, David banished him from Jerusalem. And it was after several years of banishment that uh, Joab, his, his, commanding, his commander of his army, came and talked to him about this and convinced him that he should allow Absalom to return to Jerusalem. And finally, David agreed, and he did, but he still refused to talk to Absalom. Sure, you can live in Jerusalem, but don't come and see me, and I'm not ever going to come and see you. That's not forgiveness, is it? And that's not the way God receives us. He doesn't say, oh yeah, okay, I'll take you back as my children, but I'm not going to listen to you. No, he says, you have access into this grace in which we stand. He invites us to come to him, to, to talk to him. He, he loves to listen, to hear our troubles and our joys. And so we can come, act, we have access into his grace, to the throne of grace, where we come and seek forgiveness, and he always gives it. We come to seek his blessings for healing, for help in times of trouble, for comfort, for strength, you name it. God is the source of every good gift and perfect gift. That is a life of peace, to be able to come to the Almighty God for every need. The second great truth is described in this verse. He says we have access into this grace in which we stand. This is not just, uh, okay, he's happy with us now today, but I'm not sure what tomorrow's going to bring. 
No, we stand in His grace. We don't have to fear that He may not be as forgiving tomorrow or next week or next year. We don't have to fear that if we fall back into sin again for the umpteenth time, that He might actually condemn us for it this time. We don't have to fear that if we sin again after confessing our sins or after uh, receiving the Lord's Supper, that then we're on God's bad list until we uh, confess our sins again. We don't have to fear that if we forget to confess some sin or, or don't have time to, if we die without having confessed some sin, that, well, sorry, that's not going to work. No, we stand in His grace. When we live our life by faith in Jesus Christ, we have His grace. We stand in His grace. It's ours. As long as we live and throughout eternity. <clears throat> and finally, the third wonderful truth is that we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. That's real peace, to live our life knowing that we have the glory of God to look forward to. Living in His presence, visible presence, forever and ever. You've certainly heard it said that Growing old is not for the faint of heart. It, uh, there's a lot of difficulties, a lot of pains, a lot of hardship that comes with growing old. And think about that from the perspective of the unbeliever, who things just keep getting tougher and tougher, and, and that's it. But for the child of God... God builds in a joy in that period of growing older because we know we're getting all the closer to that glory of God that we will share with Him in paradise. We always have so much to look forward to. And so this, this peace of God, this, this peace that we have through our justification it's tremendous all our life, but it's especially tremendous in those times of tribulation. And that's what Paul reminds us of here. He says, um, Not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. That's quite an amazing statement when you think about it. And, and realize that these tribulations are, are not just, you know, a scraped knee or, or uh, any other little thing that might happen. Paul used that word to describe the times when he was beaten with rods and beaten with whips and thrown in prison and shipwrecked. Can you glory in something like that? Certainly, I can understand that we 
with, with God's love and, and presence in our lives, we can endure those things with, with peace in our heart, but actually glory in them? Paul says yes. And why? Because that those tribulations uh, produce perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. In other words, God is using every one of those tribulations in our lives as his tool to, to bless us, to, to make you stronger, more resilient, to, to teach you to call upon him and depend upon him, to, to run to him, to strengthen us in our faith, to teach us to trust in him. He's building and strengthening our hope, our looking forward to that glory of God that we will share with him. The expectation of God's blessing is the hope that he gives, and then he promises that that hope will not disappoint. How many things have we hoped for that we were disappointed in? There's lots of them, right? Uh, a lot of things that we hope for don't happen, but God says this hope will not disappoint. First of all, because God is faithful. He, he always keeps his promise. He's shown that he's faithful. So we can be sure that he will keep all of these promises too. But more than that, he says that hope will not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That love of God that the prodigal son received when he came home and his father threw his arms around him and kissed him. That love of God has been poured out into your hearts through Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to describe that love of God in, in the verses just following our text. He says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, while we were still that prodigal son off wasting God's, God's goodness in sinful living, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. That's the love that has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The love that we are receiving and, and feeling tonight as we listen to, to his word, and that love that he demonstrates and shows to us in so many ways, but especially in that one-time amazing gift of his son, the, the gift that made this justification a reality. The Apostle Paul or the Apostle John rather says 
There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And certainly, God has shown us and given us perfect love. May we enjoy that peace with God that we have because we have been justified by faith. And perhaps even better than that, we have the privilege of being the Holy Spirit's tools to proclaim that message of love to all the world. Yes, let's glory in that love of God's justification. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. We will continue with our next hymn, a hymn that describes that glorious justification that we have in Christ. My hope is built on nothing less. Hymn 370. <laughs> 